Yeah. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen. I'm never quitting on my mission. I'ma roll with what I'm giving. Got some ambition. This new edition, filling positions. Looking at the void in myself and feeling what's missing. Better watch the way you're going. Better go in the right direction. In the moment you're stressing, but you're gonna be counting blessings. And I know that for certain. Keep on working, open curtains. Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version. Whoa. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Lucky, and I am a community lending officer from Lone Depot, and I will be your host today for the Tom Ficklin Show. I have with me today um, one of our local realtors, Herb Jackson, who is going to talk to us about the real estate market, about started being a first-time home buyer and all of that good stuff that uh, we feel like the community needs to know. So good morning, her. Good morning, Jay. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the Tom Ficklin Show. Well, thank so, you for inviting me. Amen. Um, so do me a favor. Can you tell me a little bit or tell the audience a little bit about Herb Jackson? Okay. I've been in the business over 18 years. I currently am uh, with HOC Realty, and I do the home buyers class here. Basically, what that is is an educational process for first-time home buyers, whether you're purchasing a home or whether you're buying a multifamily. And uh, our main mission is to give you the proper education so that you can get through this process effortlessly, and so that you can get over all the different obstacles that are in this particular business right now. Okay, so you work for the HOC, which is located at Neighborhood Housing Services of New Haven um, yes. on Sherman Avenue in New Haven. Um, but you particularly sell homes all throughout greater New Haven, all throughout Connecticut, correct? Yes, I do. Connecticut is my Connecticut is my stomping ground. So I'm from north to south to east to west. Herb's going to get you the best home that's out there. Okay, I like that. I like that. So let's talk education. Let's talk about this market before we go to education. So what do you think about this market that we're in now? This particular market. Um, I know that for the past eighteen years, we've seen everything. Um, thrown at us that could be thrown at us. So that means that you were here in 2007, 2008, when the market went haywire and crashed. And um, we both survived that because I've been in this business for over 25 years. So we both survived the market crash and the ups and downs, the highs and lows of the market. What do you think about this particular market that we're in, especially concerning the first time homebuyer? I think what's going on, well, let's go back to when COVID first started. Uh, there was a little lull in the business. Uh, that actually, that was a great time. If you were still employed and you were actually working and you were essential, there were a lot of great deals out there. Prices were reasonable. Mm -hmm. uh, the interest rates were ridiculously low. So it was a good time to buy a house at that point in time. As we further progressed into COVID and we started to come out of it, interest rates had started to go up. And along with the interest rates going up, the house prices going, were going up. We had a large influx of individuals coming in from other states to purchase here because we had so many great deals here. 
which at that point in time, the would well, I'll tell you, what drove the prices up mainly the agents getting listings on these houses and the fact that there were so many people looking at these properties and they figured, you know, they, you come in, if you have a tugboat full of cash, you don't have any problem with making a ridiculous offer on a property just to make sure that you received it. And I'll give you an example. I've seen properties that went sixty dollars and $70,000 over the asking price. Uh, people were uh, relinquishing their rights to inspections con- in different contingencies that you normally would have in a current, in a regular market. Uh, they were waiving those things just so that they can get the property. So in turn, that, that, that just took this whole market for a, uh, took it for a ride. So now we're looking at the, we're suffering the results of those things that happened then. Uh, hopefully, we don't go back into a situation that was that it was uh, prevalent back in 2007, 2005, uh, because of the way the market is going. Uh, I think right now it's starting to level itself out, uh, but you still have prices on some properties that are that ex- they're exorbitant. I say they're rather exorbitant for the first time home buyer. Uh, why don't we get to that after we talk about the mark, current market? It's the market is it's okay. I mean, there's properties. The inventory is not bad. The inventory is starting to pick up, uh, but you still have to be conscious about what you are willing to spend. Mm-hmm. I think that's very important. Right. Just because uh, you, as a, a mortgage person, give an individual an amount that they can spend based on the uh, things that you do to qualify them. Mm -hmm. I think the most important part of that is for them to understand what their monthly payment's going to be based on that amount. Right. By something which is going to be comfortable and sustainable for you. This this is not something that you get into it real quick and then, you know, hope you kind of hopefully wing your way through it. Uh, The whole process has to start out and we kind of just briefly touched on that a little moment ago about education. And I think we're going to take a big dive in education because I think that's the most important component in this whole process. Mm-hmm. I think once you have the necessary education to get through this, you can make sure that you are going to be sustainable through the whole term, which is going to be 30 years. And you have to look forward 30 years into this whole situation to make sure that you're able to keep your house. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where after a couple of years, you can't afford your house because you made a bad decision in the beginning. And that's one of the main things that we do teach in our classes, how not to put yourself in that type of situation. So one of the things that um, I feel that is most important about this market is this. Anybody who's purchasing a home in this market, first time or not, um, you're going to refinance. And and it's really, you have to keep yourself in the position to refinance because the difficulty for first-time home buyers to me is maintaining the position to refinance when the market shifts. So a market shift isn't it, it's inevitable. And because we know we've been in this business long enough to know that rates go up and they come down and they go up a lot quicker than they're gonna come down. Historically, that's just the way it is. When rates start rising. They rise and they're going to go up a heck of a lot quicker than they're coming down. The issue is that 
first time home buyers that are buying um, properties right now where the rates are in the mid sixes to the sevens, they're going to have to refinance. And when the market shifts, they're going to want to refinance, right? So I think that for us, the education piece is important to help them to maintain the property until they get to the point where they can refinance and get out of that mortgage. Um, my concern is this, and I've said this um, on multiple occasions. We've never experienced a market like this. Now, you tell me if I'm right or or if I'm or if you don't believe that I'm correct. If you believe I'm incorrect, then it's totally okay. But in 2008, we experienced a market that was overappreciating. So the housing prices were ridiculous, but the rates were still low, right? Um, taxes were still marginal and insurance was marginal. Now we are in a market where it seems that everything is against us. So housing, housing prices are increased, right? Then right. we have insurance rates that are increased. Then we have taxes that are increased. And we've never experienced all of these things at one time. Exactly. Even in the 90s. Right. Even, well, it's a storm. I don't know if it's perfect, but it is a storm. It is a storm, yes. And, And so the thing is, is that these things are not working in our favor when it comes to the housing market. They they can work against us, especially um young people. It doesn't matter what anyone says. If we don't reach our young people and get them into purchasing homes, who's going to live in these homes? Thank you. Because we've kind of forgotten them like, oh, okay. And these this generation of people, they want to be homeowners, right? So it's, it, you know, when we were coming up, at least when I was coming up, I wasn't thinking about buying a home when I left home. I was thinking about what apartment I was moving into. Exactly. And this I think generation. That's, that, and that's and that's a big statement right there because right now apartment prices have increased substantially because of the way the market is. And now what you're going to pay for an apartment is just about the same thing you're going to pay for a mortgage. So right. why not prepare yourself to buy a house and have something that's going to be yours rather than paying somebody else's mortgage so right. that you can stay there and then they can raise the rent on you at any time that they want to. Right. And and the fact that there are still benefits to homeowners. It ties you to the community. Um, These are all things that we teach in homebuyer education that, you know what, renters are not necessarily tied to the community. So they don't really have to care about what the neighborhood looks like. But homeowners, you're tied to that community. Now you've solidified yourself as a part of that community. So you want to beautify your home. You have uh, benefits of, you know, you get different tax write-offs being a homeowner than you do just being a renter. Like you said, you're not paying someone else's um, mortgage. Now you're paying your own mortgage and what that looks like. But what it doesn't look like is it's difficult because purchasing a home is expensive. Renting is expensive. So this generation of buyers has to get themselves in the position where it's like, listen, I want to buy and I don't want to rent. I'm not going to pay your $3,000 rent. Exactly. When I purchase a home. Because if you do the same thing, you take that same amount of money and you calculate that you're paying the same thing. And what do you have to show for it in the end? You're renting, you're paying somebody $3,000 a month. You're getting nothing from that, but you pay that $3,000 a month towards your home. 
you're building equity in your property. So now you have something where you actually are creating wealth for yourself that you can right. utilize at some point in time, as opposed to just taking that $3,000 on a rental. And that's burn away money. You, you might as well just take that and throw it into the fireplace because you can't do mm -hmm. anything with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's um, as difficult as it may look for people to purchase homes right now, there's still a thing called the cost of waiting. So how much is it going to cost you to wait to purchase a home? Um, right. Because while you're waiting, you still have to pay to live somewhere. And what benefit is the money that you're spending on that rent? Is it is it getting you any benefit? I think now um, we have to look at home ownership as the next step and not something that's far off. Like when we were younger, we looked at it like, oh, okay, well, one day I'm going to own a home. Right. And one day could have been in your mid-30s, but it was, you know, one day I'm going to own a home because renting was reasonable. Now we're in a market where renting is absolutely not reasonable. And these young people are 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 smart and savvy, and they're looking to take ownership and to build generational wealth because there's so much talk about generational wealth now, whereas there wasn't before. And I think that's the big thing: the the conversation we have. You have uh, media that's out there where you can have that conversation with somebody across the country on the other side of the world. When we were coming up, that wasn't that wasn't there. The right. immediate people around you weren't in that particular business, and you weren't being able to be educated about that process. You knew nothing about it until it was time. Oh, I'm getting married. Okay, now it's time to buy a house. We have an apartment now. Okay, let's right. move right. our family into a house. That's when it came up. But now the conversation about building generational wealth and different ways of having residual income coming in as uh -huh. a talk right now so now you have younger people who are being able to exploit those different uh, avenues in that education that they're getting now mm -hmm. and able to move forward on those things so you have more people into the market now that is buying which is creating also the increase in pricing so right you more, much so many more people out there trying to do the same thing right and so for the connecticut market um I know that we're still experiencing multiple offers. And so what I what I find is that I think that it, the market is cooling a little bit in the respect of all of these multiple offers where you have, you know, 15 offers going in on one property and there's a bidding war and somebody's walking in, like you said, with a tugboat full of cash and saying, okay, well, I'll just pay cash for the property. I think that that has died down a little bit but there are still um, multiple offers on properties. It is. I think what it is is that agents try to create the frenzy. You know, they'll put a, mark, a property on the market. And I experienced this a week ago. Ah. The, property went on, the property went on the market one day. The next day, they're asking for highest and best. Yeah. You know, they create that frenzy to try to get people, okay, let me hurry up and go see it. Let me put an offer on it because there's going to, they're giving you the suggestion that other people are looking at this property. If you really like it, you need to put in your highest highest offer possible wow. on this property, which is generating that excitement, trying to generate that excitement in the buyer, make them go out and bid maybe more than what they anticipated that they want to bid, but just to be in that competitive market. And I mean, the agents drive this too, but what buyers really need to understand is that they control the market. If you just stand back and say, no, I'm not doing it. 
if, if we just say, I'm not going to pay that much for, them, oh. for this house, I'm not going to do it. You control the market, not the agents, not the seller. You control it. You're the one who has the money. You're the one who's out there willing to buy. If you say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to contribute to this idiocy, we're going to sit back and wait. Guarantee you, those prices are going to go right back down to where they start to make sense for you. So that is one of the things that I said when the market started, when the market shifted. So coming out of COVID, and you know, the rates going up higher, as soon as the rates started increasing, the property prices were already crazy. There were already bidding wars all over the place. And I said, you know what, if buyers just stop, if they just go, yeah, we're not buying properties in this market. Yeah. Then the rates are going to come down because the feds are going to know, okay, well, people are not willing to buy in this market at these prices. And, and, and it is, it is always, regardless, you know, we have this, oh, well, it's a buyer's market and it's a seller's market, but it is always a buyer's market because the buyer has the power to say, no, I won't buy. That is correct. I won't buy. And so I said this, Almost two years ago, I was like, well, why don't people just stop buying houses? Because if they stop they buying these no. houses, they stop prices the bidding. Come down. Prices, the prices and the interest rate will come, come right back down again. Right, you right. So I, but you got that to was my line of thought as well. That yeah. was my line of thought as well, that, you know what, buyers are, because what happened, so you said um, they get the, the, that, that the realtors um, get people excited. I think they get them anxious and anxiety steps in because they, 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 they stir up this whole whirlpool of you're not going to be able to find a house. And so I've dealt with a lot of discouraged borrowers that are like, oh, I can't find anything. I'm just going to stop looking, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, what I say to people in this market is, listen, bottom line is this. You're in one of two places. Either you're ready to buy or you're in buyer's preparedness. You have to be prepared to buy. So this mm -hmm. may be a market that you may not be able to purchase in because of the prices, insurance, taxes, interest, all of that. But it is a market that you can prepare yourself to purchase in and wait for the shift. Exactly. Or you can try to jump into the market. It's completely up to the consumer which way they're going to go. But there are other avenues because if you're not exactly and by prepared, I mean this, you know, I've had to tell people to go get a better job. It is what it is. But in this market, you making forty thousand dollars and trying to buy something that costs two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is not going to work. Those numbers don't work out. And if you're looking at anything less than that. This, the the quality of the property and the aesthetically is not that great. So you're not going right. to be pleased with it. So you're like, no, I don't like the way that look. And when you look, then you start looking online through these different websites that are out there and you see something, oh, I like this. Mm -hmm. But the price is more than what you can actually afford. So, right. And, and I think that that goes back to, I know it goes back to the educational piece. Because I run into people making $20 an hour thinking that they can afford $200,000 worth of home. And that is only because they're looking at where the market is and not what they can afford. Um, so, so when we talk about misconceptions, one of the biggest misconceptions to me with people who want to be homeowners or desiring to purchase homes um, 
is I pay this in rent so I can afford it in a mortgage. That's the conception that most people have. Right. Uh, or a lot of times people will say, well, I'm paying this in rent. I want to pay this amount for my home. Okay, let's look at that. You're looking at a particular amount of money and then you want a house that costs here, but you're paying this for rent. So, okay, I want my rent to, to be the same thing as my mortgage. Right. Well, it, the numbers and the aesthetically, the property, it doesn't match. Right. And it's always a numbers you, game. Yeah, it's a, it's a big numbers game. But like we said, it's about the educational component that you have to get before you even go into this process. And what I mean by education, I mean from professionals who are who, who study the market, who are here to educate you and how to be sustainable in the market, not somebody looking to get a commission check just so that they can move on and get you into something and they don't care two cents about what happens to you in the next year or the year and a half. Right. Um, I have people that I've sold houses to years ago and they still contact me because they're still in these houses because they're in sustainable situations that they can afford. Uh, it's criminal for a person to get into a property or to be led to a property that they're not going to be able to afford. And the only person that's going to benefit are the two people who are who's representing you and the person who's representing the seller. That, that's criminal. You should be in this part. You should be in this process. You should educate yourself to understand what you can actually afford and how to stay in your house. I look. I, I get. I get listings every day of foreclosures. Uh, I see people who've been in houses maybe a couple of years. They're being foreclosed on. They're having financial problems now. Um, that's because they got into something that they could not afford initially, and that's what we're here to try to stop. We're trying to educate you so that you don't have to go through that. When you go into look, some people, you've been renting for who knows how many years. You've been there for years, no problem. Now you're ready to buy a house. That same concept should translate into your house. You should want to be in that house for years or until you're ready to move on to something else, not being forced out of it because of economics and financial situation. It's all about being sustainable. It's all about understanding what you can pay and what you can't pay. All right. Uh, and that and that makes that makes a huge difference. Um, and what you said was extremely impactful because you said, you know what, listen, there's two people that are really going to benefit from someone purchasing a home in a major way. That's the selling agent and the listing agent. So the agents, the real estate agents make more than everybody that's involved in the process. So they make more than a loan officer. They make more than the title agent, more than um, the, the home inspector, more than the insurance agent. And so you have to look for someone that you connect with. So we talk about this all the time when we do home buyer education together, that you mm -hmm. are not going to gravitate towards everybody or connect with everyone. And you have to look for someone that you absolutely connect with, that you have built a rapport with. So that not, and to me, it's not that, oh, I need to be able to call them at 11 o'clock at night. No, you don't. Because at 11 o'clock at night, there's nothing that they can do for you. But you need to be able to get in touch with that person. And you also need to be able to feel that you can trust them and that they're not leading you down a slippery slope. Like you said, um, it's not the real estate's agent position to say, okay, well, this is what you can afford, but it should be um, along with a loan officer, 
along with the attorney um, to say, is this sustainable for you? Exactly. Because I tell my clients all the time, listen, sweetie, I'm not going to pay your mortgage because I'm busy paying mine. (laughs) So I'm not going to pay your mortgage. You have to know what you can afford and how far you're willing to go. Um, The biggest thing that you just said, the main word, one word was listen. You got to have somebody on all sides that's listening to what you say and what you're comfortable. And they even ask you that question. What are you comfortable with? Just because I give you $400,000 to purchase a home because you qualify for that doesn't mean that you have to spend that. Some right. people will see that and say, oh, we got $400,000. Then they show you every right. $400,000 house on the market. No, can you afford this? And I tell all the people I work with, okay, you're approved for $400,000. You know what your monthly payment's going to be if you spend that whole $400,000? And a lot of times people find that out. They're like, oh, no, I can't afford that. Right. Let me find out what I can. This is what I can afford. How much can I spend of this 400,000 to get to that number? And once you find that out, that's the number you stay at. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what's going on. Right. And so, and so the thing is this, and, and, uh, someone at my, um, my, my employers, um, my company, uh, one, one of the, the, the top loan officers there, um, she's out of Las Vegas. Um, amazing person. But what she said was this, and this made so much more sense to me than a lot of the things that I heard. She said, listen, you need to qualify in this market. She was talking about this market, this crazy market that we're in, because this market is not only exclusive to Connecticut, it's all throughout these United States, right? Everybody Mm -hmm. wants a million dollars for their property. Um, everybody's taxes are high. I mean, so taxes, insurance, mortgage insurance, um, the price of the property, all of that is working against the buyer pretty much. So what she said was this, she said, stop qualifying your clients for a house number, 300,000, 200,000, 500,000, and qualify them for a payment. Which makes a lot more sense because you know what? If you're comfortable, if you call me and you say, um, I'm comfortable with paying $2,000 a month, I can tell you what $2,000 a month looks like in housing. Okay, so these are the taxes. This is the principal interest. This is the insurance. This is going to be your mortgage payment. Your mortgage payment will be $2,000 and $2,000 will get you this much of a house. But you can look for that everywhere because you're gonna still stick with that $2,000 payment. It just makes, it's just logical, it makes sense. Um, And that is educational for people who are purchasing for the first time. You've got to be comfortable with what you're gonna pay for a payment because Herb's not gonna pay it for you and Jeanette is certainly not gonna pay it for you. No one involved in your transaction is gonna pay that mortgage and we want you to be able to keep your home. So when we talk about home buyer education, we're always talking about sustainability because you want to be able to, it's not enough that your family, your friends, this one, that one, know that you own a home. It's about whether or not you can hold on to that home and not hold on to it by a thread but be comfortable in what you're paying every month for a mortgage. Exactly. And that goes, that goes from the beginning. 
before you start this process, you have to save money. You have to make sure your credit is right. You want to make sure that you have dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's before you start this process. And once you obtain your home, you still do the same thing. You still save money. You still go out and make the necessary purchases that you make. You take care of your finances. You don't go into a financial disarray just because you've acquired a home. You should be able to do the same things that you, that got you to that point that gave you the ability to afford a home. And you continue those same process while you're in that home. That means that you are moving forward. That means you're putting yourself in a situation where you can now generate uh, funds to do other things to help yourself to uh, create uh, residual income for yourself or either be sustainable or either do other things that's going to help generate money for you to uh, help take care of your family. And to uh, I, nobody wants to work the, their whole life. Okay, I know everybody has a job. You probably don't want to stay in that job for the rest of your life. But you do need to be able to make money. Some of you have great ideas that you said, you know, I want to try to do this on the side. Well, now you have something that's going to be, give you the ability to do these other things. And those are the things that you should plan. That's why this whole process is not about just, oh, I want to go buy a house. You have to plan to do this. So that way you know exactly what path to take. And through home education, that path is laid out for you how to do that. And during that whole journey, and this is, it is a journey, you have somebody that's in front of you because it's a dark road. You have somebody that's in front of you with a flashlight, spotlight, or whatever is necessary to see the end of the tunnel to help you get there. And as long and if you have questions about that, you have reliable sources that you can go to at any point in time during this journey to ask the questions that you might have. And my, my thing, don't ever be afraid to ask questions. You, no matter what you think that question might be, don't ask your friends because they don't know. You're going to have people come to you and say, oh, I got, I did this with my property. I did this and that. Everybody's journey is different. Everybody's going to take a different path to get there. Do what's going to be comfortable for you and your family. And that's so powerful. So um, if you're looking to, to purchase a home, go into home buyer education, I, so, so to me, it's a powerful statement to say, stop asking everyone around you because everyone around you is not an expert. And so having dealt with that all of my career, oh, well, my sister got this. Well, my cousin got this. Well, my neighbor got this. Um, everyone's journey is different. Herb is correct. No two mortgages are really alike. Uh, and you're going to be hard pressed to find someone with the same exact scenario as you have. The same down payment, the same debt to income ratio, the same income, all of that, all of these things make up home ownership and it, it makes up purchasing a home. So when you begin to draw other people into the process, what you do is you circumvent your loan officer, you circumvent your real estate agent, because these are the experts trying to get you to the finish line. And then you start pulling in all of these people and they start planning ideas in your head about the way your process should be. Now, that by no means is to say you should deal with someone that you shouldn't get, you can't get in touch with, that's non-responsive to you, that you can't, yeah, don't do that. But at the end of the day, rely on the people who are the experts. This is why we suggest homebuyer education upfront, because that's really the first step. So 
my first step process is the first thing that you have to do is decide. It doesn't matter to me what you're deciding. If you're deciding that you're going to rent, you have to decide that you're going to do that. If you're deciding that you're going to own, you have to decide decide that you're going to do that. The first step in any process, if you're going to get a job, you have to decide to get a job. You just can't walk in and go, hey, well, you know, I have no process for this. You decide and then you begin to take the necessary steps toward whatever you're going to do. And in this situation, we're talking homeownership. Um, And so once you've made that decision, then there's some necessary steps that come in for you to move toward the end goal, because there's a goal at the end of the rainbow. Um, Herb, I would ask you this, which comes first, the, the, uh, the, the real estate agent? Or the loan officer. Mm-hmm. Your question? Yeah. No, the loan officer comes first. Okay, let's no, not even that. The education comes first. Once you educate yourself as to what the process is going to be, then you go with the loan officer. And the education is going to see if you're ready financially. I mean, see if your credit is right. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't depend, don't depend on what you don't depend on what you see on Credit Karma. All these sites and everything they're out there. Oh, Credit Karma says I have an 800 score. I have this and that. No, no, no. Uh, right. Jay, explain the, the process of the credit because uh, that's the most important thing once you, once you get started. So, your- on average, you have to have three pieces of credit in order to purchase a, a property in these United States. Okay. Typically, rent can be one of those pieces of credit, but you also have to have what's called um Trade lines. A trade line is whatever reports to the credit repositories. TransUnion, Equifax, and Experience are the three major credit repositories in this country. Now, there are smaller credit bureaus, but those three major repositories are where mortgage lenders get their information from for your credit. And you want to have two to three pieces of credit reporting on with those repositories. Can you buy a house without credit? Absolutely. But it's kind of tricky and a little bit long and you would have to call me as a side note so I could give you the ins and outs of that. But if you have credit, because see, if you buy a house without credit, it's because you don't have credit. It's because those repositories have no information on you whatsoever except for your name. Then you can get a house without credit. Hey, Jay, I have... Eight trade lines, but four of them I'm disputing because somebody told me to dispute ah! them. And, that, and that'll give it, how am I going to do that now? Disputes are a no-no. Please stop disputing your credit. And, and and you know what, guys? I understand. There's so Listen, we live in the age of information overload. Okay, people are telling you how to lose weight, how to gain weight, what herbs to take, um, how to get a mortgage, how to clear up your credit. We live in how to pray, when to pray, who, who's going to pray for you. We live in an age of information overload, and you have to be the one to filter the information that you get. So every time you go online and you see somebody telling you, don't pay your debts, don't be an honest person, go dispute the charge. Um, There's a loophole. Those things all come at a cost. And so I can't tell you what to do, what not to do. I can tell you that there's a price for all of that. 
There's a price for, oh, I'm not going to pay this, even though I know it was in my name. I can use a loophole and get it off. And there's also a loophole for them to put it back on. I just want y'all to know that. So in this mortgage business, once you've done the education, and Herb is a major part of the educational piece of neighborhood housing service. It is so important. He does the multifamily education, home buyer education, which is so important. The landlord piece, which is so important because most young people right now are buying multifamily homes. Why? Because they're smart. Because they landlords. Because they weren't. No, because they weren't like us. Because all Mm -hmm. we were thinking about is, oh, I just want a house for my kids to play in the backyard. They're thinking about, listen, if I can get my first home and it's a multifamily, then I can use that to build generational wealth because I can keep that home when I move into my second home. And and someone can pay for that and a portion of my mortgage over here while I constantly set dollars. One of the most important things that we didn't talk about, but I think is very important, is um, please save your money. I was actually on a meeting last week with um, some someone uh, from my church. And, and every church has people that specialize in stuff. If you don't know what the people in your church specialize in, please go find out. Because there's someone in your church that does investments. And they're probably very good at it. There's someone in your church that does real estate. And they're probably very good at it. There's someone in your church that does mortgages. And they're probably very good at it. You know, this is what the church community is all about. Well, one of our um, pastors is actually an investor. He, he's, he works for some big time investment firm. And he said something that made so much sense, guys. This is what he said. He said, listen, I don't care whether you're buying a home or whether you're renting a house or whatever it is. I want you to have six months of your living expenses saved up. Six months. Now, my aunt taught me that when I was just a wee little girl. When I was renting, she said, you have to have six months of your rent saved up. So if something happens, if you have an emergency, then you will still be able to sustain yourself. You lose your job. You have six months to go get you another one. Uh, Something happens, an emergency in your house where your furnace goes. You got six months of mortgage payments stacked up so you can work through that. Six months, six months of your living expenses. And if you live with your mama, then you pick an arbitrary number and you say, this is how much money I'm going to save up. My bill money, whatever your bills are monthly, plus whatever your rent might be. Six months. Get that saved. Exactly. And if you're living with your mama, help mama pay those bills too. Because you're not paying nearly as much as you were paying if you were living out on your own. Don't mm-hmm. take advantage of that because a lot of times what mama will do is she'll take that money, she'll put it aside because yes. she sees that she, she understands what you're saving That's right. the time. So That's they, they right. will help you out, but make sure you contribute to that. That's right. That's right. You know what? And if you're not a good saver, then go to your parents, sit down with your parents and say, listen, I'm giving you this amount of money. I'm asking you to set it aside for me. Plus, I'm going to pay whatever I need to pay, whatever bill you want me to pay, whatever you want me to help you with. But could you set this aside for me so that when I get ready to release you into your freedom, 
I will have something and I won't be starting with nothing. These are conversations that young people need to be having with their parents, because I'm going to tell you what the ideology that you will be willing to pay a stranger, but not your parents is just backwards. It's crazy. It's just backwards. It doesn't make any sense. Think about it. It doesn't make any sense. So Herb, what does your ideal client look like? Like what, what kind of client do you want? What kind of clients are you looking for? A client that's energetic, that's willing to listen, that has a goal that they don't know how to attain, but they're listening to a professional who's going to give them the information that's going to help get them there. And if you say you got to do X, Y, Z, they do X, Y, Z, and mm-hmm. they come at you, I got it done. What else do I have to do? That's the kind of person I need. I don't need somebody who's going to come in and give them X, Y, Z. They talk to Joe Smo on the street and Joe Smo says, nah, just go ahead and do this. And then you come back and say, well, no, I didn't do that. I did Joe, what Joe Smo told me to do. Right. So now you're setting yourself back. You got, I mean, oh yeah, by the way, our classes are free. We don't charge you anything. We don't ask you for any money nice. to, to do these things. If you work with one of our housing councils, there's a fee for the credit report. And I think it's very important that you understand what your credit is, your true credit, because mm-hmm. the report that we pull, we're a nonprofit, is the exact same report that the mortgage companies pull when they pull when they go ahead and pull that. They, they do a hard pull, which is going to reflect on your credit. We do a soft pull. It's not going to reflect on your credit. It's not going to cause any change in, the, in your current scores. But at least you have a true depiction as to exactly what is on your credit report. Not Credit Karma, not all these other places that are out there that you subscribe to and that you uh, go and say, oh, this is this is what my credit report is. This is what my scores are. I should be able to get a house because it says I have a 700 score and Credit Karma says that. No, you don't. And 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 excuse me, please, please know this. Your credit score can be 800 and you still there's a possibility you still may not be able to afford a house. So please stop listening to the Experian commercial that says that you can get whatever you want because you have a good credit score. Good credit is great, but you know what? You can have excellent credit and be over indebted and not be able to get a thing. That's just really the truth. And people don't talk about that because they want to give you the good without giving you the whole truth. So the truth is, is that you may have impeccable credit, but you also may have some crazy car note that, um, throws your DTI into a tailspin. You also may have student loan debt. There's a whole lot of things that come into play. Um, and there's a whole lot of steps that you can take for a student loan debt. Um, you can do income-based repayment. Um, there, there's things that experts know that you don't know. that, And that's why we're talking so heavily about the educational piece, because you should get yourself educated. Now, um, if you're willing to pay for that, that's up to you. I, I don't say you should pay for it. I don't say that you shouldn't pay for it. I say that you typically get what you pay for. So exactly. if you're not willing to listen to people and to work with them, um, sometimes people listen better when they have to pay. That's just the truth of the matter. Sometimes, but you know that costs you though, because a lot of times if you're paying someone the information that somebody can give you for free, well, guess what? They're going to keep you. They're going to string you along. It's like fishing. You throw it. You throw your line out there. You catch a fish. You don't reel it in real quick. You take your time. You jerk a little bit. You let it go out a little bit. You bring it in. You take your time and bring it in. So would, that time factor is you paying that person X amount of dollars every single month 
And guess what? They're, and they're telling you, oh, you need to dispute this. The dispute takes right. X amount of time. Well, it depends. This so it, it depends because the thing is this. The bottom line is this. There are different associations, different people in business that can actually walk you through, okay, well, this is what you need to do, A, B, C, and D. And this is how we can help you. And then there are some people... It's great if you give people the information, but if you give them the information and they don't have the steps and they don't go take the steps, then that's not doing them any good, whether it's free or not. Okay, so if it's free, it's still not doing them any good because they're not taking the steps to get to where they need to. Um, You either have to be on an independent track to say, I have made up my mind and this is the track that I'm going to go and I'm going to get this done. Or you need to work with someone that can help you get through that process, it's up to you to be able to hold their feet to the fire and say, okay, so I expect that there's a plan and I should be at this place by this time. So so neither one is bad. One of the things that I would say is um, be careful. Be careful with your expectations. Have some expectations of whomever you're paying to do whatever. There has to be an expectation um, exactly. that at some point you're going to get the end result. You're going to get to the end of the rainbow and they're not going to drag you along month to month to month just so they can say that you're paying them because that happens as well. Um, exactly. We are. And, almost- I think, and I think one thing that education is very important on how to use a credit card. That's because you get a credit card doesn't necessarily mean that you know how to use it. And oh, yeah. if you and that credit card is beneficial to you, just because someone gives it to you, uh, whatever company it is, you have there's ways of understanding how to use a credit card mm-hmm. so you're using it to your benefit, not to the benefit of the company who, right. who issued that card to you. So right. I mean, there's just a lot of different things that are out there that we need to be educating ourselves on. And mm-hmm. I don't mean as adults, I mean starting out your kids. You have yeah. kids. And yes, understand these things, how to utilize these things and how not. I've talked to so many people. Oh, I got a credit card. What's your balance? I got a five hundred dollar limit. My balance is five fifty. Okay, you're in trouble right there. Right. Right. Or even if your limit is five hundred or even if your limit is five hundred, but your balance is five hundred or your limit is five hundred, but your balance is four fifty because you know what? You are headed for trouble. And the thing is, is that there's a 30% rule with the credit cards that you should not be using 30% of your credit limit. Um, I would say use wisdom. So wisdom is if you, if you're being afforded higher credit balances, limits, then you have to be the person to pump the brakes on that. You can call any creditor and say, listen, I don't need this much of a credit line, but thank you. And that pretty much takes the temptation away if you cannot figure out how to manage that credit card without going overboard. And everyone is different in that respect too. If you can control yourself, if you have some self-control, that's one thing. But typically people don't have self-control. And if they get in trouble, those credit cards would be the first thing they turn to. So that is what Herb is speaking of. Be very careful because in this country, I mean, I know y'all see it all over social media. You can get this much credit. You can get business credit. You can get personal credit. You can get this, that, or the other. And it's all about credit. And why? Because we live in a country that is geared toward keeping you in debt. That's all it is. This is a debt-ridden company that likes debt and a country that likes debt. And they like for people to be in debt. debt. So, you know, and and be careful because right now the interest rates have turned in such a way where credit card 
interest rates are upwards of 30%. Exactly. No matter so now you're paying 30% on a credit card that you might have been paying uh, 9.99 or 7.99. Now you're paying some ridiculous amount of interest for um, that credit card. So, yes, be very careful with that. Educate um, yourself. I'll take a credit card that has 99% interest on it because you know why? I'm not going to ever carry a balance on that. As so long as you educate yourself, you do not carry a balance on your credit card. Okay. If you can't pay for that purchase before that credit card statement comes out, you don't need it. Yeah, he's going to use that's it. How you, that's how you beat the bank. And, and you build good credit by simply having a gas card and you go and you charge gas and then you pay it off. And, and that's just a start to building good credit. You don't yes. have to have all of these high credit limits and all of that. Um, but the education is important. So there's so many different phases of purchasing a home. Herbie's a great realtor. You can locate him at um, Neighborhood Housing Services Homeownership Center. He works tirelessly. One thing I know about him is that anytime I talk to him and I say, are you taking a day off? He goes, no. So he never takes a day off. And he is always available. So Herb, you want to give them your, your email? in your um your phone number sure email address is real action r-e-a-l-a-c-t-i-o-n three three at gmail.com my phone number is 203-715-1202 my if name I don't is pick up, you'll get Go a ahead. message i'll say i'll call you back leave a message for me or a text my name is Jeanette Lucky. I am a community lending officer at Loan Depot. You can reach me at area code 203-410-6752 or jlucky at Loan Depot, L-O-A-N-D-E-P-O-T dot com. Um, again, if I don't pick up, you can leave me a message, send me a text. I'll be happy to answer any questions that you all have. Um, Herb will be happy to answer any questions that you all have. We are local to your community. So it's always best to work within your community because then you get someone that knows something about your community and not just someone who knows about real estate overall. or more Exactly, or about how to get a commission check. We're going to educate you to get, make sure that you're successful in this business. Yeah, so we want you to be successful. We want you to be happy homeowners. Um, we are out of time. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, Herb, care, for coming everybody. on. You're welcome, Jay. We'll Thank talk you to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you, Harry. This is Harry Girls, and you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven. As I got another rhyme, another rhythm for y'all to listen I'm never quitting on my mission, I'ma roll with what I'm giving Got some ambition, this new addition, filling positions Looking at devoiding myself and feeling what's missing Better watch the way you're going, better go in the right direction In the moment you stressing, but you gon' be counting blessings And I know that for certain, keep on working, open curtains Haters swerving, cause they ain't ready for your final version Whoa. I'm never gon' give up, give up Fall down, I just gotta get up, get up, yeah.